there's always other options for treatment. Um, and, you know, if your pet does become unwell, then speak to your vet and just be honest with them and say, look, I'm on, on a really tight budget. What is the cheapest way that we can consider approaching this, this problem? Welcome to The Consult Room, the podcast that celebrates pets and people. I'm Dr. Paul Mangtelow. I'm a veterinary surgeon with a passion for the rich insights and stories about pets in the modern world that we live. Whether you're a pet owner, a pet professional, or you just love hearing about pets, then this is the space for you. We're all being hit hard financially at the moment. And the cost of everything seems to be going up, whether it's the cost of food, the cost of fuel. Um, and I'm being contacted on a daily basis by pet owners who are really worried about costs and really worried about being able to keep their pet. Um, and I've recently spent a lot of time in pet food banks around the country and speaking to people who really are struggling to make ends meet. So today's episode uh, is all about the questions that I'm being asked um, and I'm hoping to pull them together and hopefully give you some really practical advice on how you could cut costs in pet care without compromising on your pet's health and well-being. Um, so uh, I'm flying solo today. I don't have any guests in the studio. However, I'm taking questions from you, the consult room listeners. Uh, so in effect, I'm inviting you into the studio and you can all be my guests. So I've got some questions that I'm going to run through. Um, and the first set of questions, if you like, were around feeding. And obviously, feeding is the most uh, common thing that you do with your animal. You've got to do it every single day. So when you're struggling to afford your, you know, a weekly grocery bill, your pet food is, is, is a real concern. So here's one of the questions that we've got. I'm buying rice and pasta in bulk to save money and wondered if I could feed this to my dog as I'm struggling to buy his food every week. Now, the cost of dog diets varies massively from, you know, you can get some cheap diets that cost a few pence a day, uh, right up to premium diets that can cost, you know, pounds per day. So there is a real variability in the cost per day. And I always, always say to people, look at that, you know, work out when you're buying food, how much is the cost per day? Now, there are some really good balanced uh, foods at the lower end of that cost spectrum. So that's my first um, piece of advice is have a look around and see, is there any other complete food that you could feed that would be a lot cheaper per day? Now, if you are going to transition to that food, I would say do it gradually, do it over a period of a few days, because doing it suddenly can uh, actually cause a tummy upset. Now, with dogs especially, you can use bulking agents. And the question here is, you know, about rice and pasta. Now, for a few days, I say, you know, if that's all you've got in your cupboard, that's fine. You know, bulking out the dog's food with rice, pasta, potatoes. You can even get cheap mincemeat, um, cheap offal from the butchers, livers, kidneys, all things like that can be really, really cheap. And the butcher can obviously mince those up for you. And those sort of things are okay for a few days, but they're not necessarily always nutritionally balanced. Um, so um, if you're going to do that, I would probably consider just doing that to, to get you over that, that hurdle. Um, but obviously, if you're struggling on a longer term, then you can consider going to a food bank. 
Now, loads of charities are offering them now. I know Blue Cross, who I work for, have set up a national network of food banks. So go on their website and have a look. Um, and, you know, don't feel ashamed for using a, a food bank. A lot of the time, you know, people are worried about going to use them for fear of judgment. But, you know, the charities are there. They're there to help. And please do use them. So the next question I've got is about parasite control. Uh, hi, Paul. Can you recommend any natural flea treatments? The stuff from the vets is over £30. OK, so what I'm going to have to say here is that the stuff from the vets is usually a prescription product um, and it's had clinical trials and it's proved to be effective. So when we get to recommending natural flea treatments, there's a lot of them on the market. And I um, have heard some people have had some success with some products and I've heard that some people have had uh, little success or no success with others. So the first piece of advice I'm going to give is, OK, take that product that your vet um, has got and see if you can use that in a more cost effective way. Now, what I'd always recommend is speak to your vet about the prominent parasites that are in your area, because it may be that you just want to target those ones. Now, for example, if you live in an area that has got a, a lungworm problem, then that is 100% what you should be focusing on because that is fatal um, in dogs and it can cause lots and lots of problems. Um, but if you live in an area, for example, that's got a lot of ticks, again, that'd be something that you might wanna focus on. You can often stretch these products out. Now, a lot of them will be you know, monthly products and they'll say use them monthly and that's for maximum effectiveness. Now, I know personally, I sometimes forget to give Rodney his um, his monthly treatment and you know other times it's okay to stretch it out you know to six weeks even two months however if you are in a parasite prevalent area i would try and stick to a monthly or another top tip i would say is check your own pet for fleas regularly and if you're you know get invest in a cheap uh flea comb and you can uh, do the flea check, a veterinary nurse or a vet can show you how to do that. And you can actually check for presence of fleas yourself. And if you're noticing them, then, then go in there with a, a really good quality, hard hitting product that's going to knock all those fleas out. Um, but if you're not noticing them and, and you haven't, um, your pet hasn't suffered from fleas before, you may be able to stretch that out a little bit more. Uh, next question is about vaccination. Now, um, hi, Paul. I didn't vaccinate my dog for two years during the pandemic and she was absolutely fine. But now my vet says I need to do it every year. OK, what happened in the pandemic was uh, obviously we were forced into not being able to do a lot of things. And one of them was routine healthcare visits and things like vaccination. Uh, now, in that scenario, a lot of dogs were pretty much in isolation because we weren't mixing as much. Um, and it it could have been that actually those diseases that we vaccinate against weren't as uh, weren't as prevalent. However, it is true that some dogs are more at risk than others in the um, in for the diseases that we vaccinate against. Now, for example, if um, this uh, the question was from somebody who had a young puppy, I would say one hundred percent get that puppy vaccinated. If the, the question is from an older dog, which I suspect it is, and that dog's been vaccinated all its life, then there's not as much risk 
because it will have some immunity to some of the diseases we vaccinate against. Now, what you might want to consider is if you're going to miss a year, then if you vaccinate next year, you'll probably have to start the course again because a lot of the vaccine manufacturers would say in their data sheets that that's what you'd have to do. Um, but it may give you a bit of breathing space this year. I would consider whether or not your vet has a healthcare plan. A lot of vets do. Uh, and you can all, you know, they're, they're monthly payments and they'll bundle in the, you know, the parasite treatment and the vaccination together and um, often offer discounts if you're paying that monthly. So that might be an option to spread the cost of that preventive health care rather than trying to pay it all up front. And that is something that suits some people. OK, the next one is veterinary care. And I get a lot of questions about this. It is the thing that keeps people up at night. Now, I'm going to really um, I'm going to read the question first and foremost. And then we'll talk a little bit about what you might want to consider. So what is the cheapest pet insurance? Mine just keeps going up and up and I just can't afford it anymore. OK, insurance is a really big subject and I'm probably not best placed to be able to tell you what would be the cheapest policy for you, because it depends on a lot of things. You know, the age of your pet, the type of pet, the breed, where you live, uh, what, you know, all sorts of things. So the only way you're going to be able to find a cheaper deal is by phoning around. Now, it is tempting to, can, you know, to consider cancelling insurance when you're trying to budget, especially during difficult times. And I totally get it. But there may be some things you might want to do before before you, you consider cancelling it. The first thing I do is speak to your vet. Now, a lot of vets offer payment plans. So if you speak to them and say, look, if my, my pet was going to become sick or injured, you know, what are your payment terms? Would you consider letting me spread the cost of that treatment over 12 months? And if your pet, if your vet says yes, then then actually that might be the peace of mind that you need. Um, and, and, you know, that might be an option for you. You might also want to consider uh, whether there's any charities in your area, charities that offer, um, you know, help for veterinary care or even voucher schemes should your pet become sick. Um, and the last thing I would say here is treatment options, you know, there's always other options for treatment. Um, and, you know, if your pet does become unwell then speak to your vet and just be honest with them and say, look, I'm on, on a really tight budget. What is the cheapest way that we can consider approaching this, this problem? This episode is sponsored by Superdog from Vitabiotics, the UK's number one vitamin company. As a vet, I would always encourage a healthy, balanced diet for your dog. But like us, all dogs are different. So giving a vitamin supplement can act as an insurance policy to make sure you're meeting your dog's nutritional needs. Superdog's chewable, tasty braised beef tablets are packed with over 21 nutrients, expertly formulated for your special companion, including linseed oil to help maintain a glossy coat, greenlit muscle to maintain joint health, and zinc and selenium to provide immune support. In a recent study, Superdog was recommended by 96% of dog owners Dogs absolutely love them. I've personally seen improvements in many, many dogs whose owners have given Superdog vitamins for just a few weeks. Superdog is available now at Amazon, Ocado, Paws, Superdrug and Vitabiotics.com. So the next subject is toys. Now, can you recommend any brands of toys that will last more than five minutes? I've got a two-year-old Jack Russell that destroys everything in just a few minutes and it's like throwing money down the drain. 
Now, I totally hear you on this one. Um, Rodney is exactly the same. I'm yet to find a really good toy that, that lasts longer than, you know, a day. Um, but what I would say is I view toys as quite essential. They're not a luxury item. They're essential for play and for mental stimulation. However, they don't need to be expensive. You know, I think a lot of toys on the market are really expensive, you know, upwards of, you know, five, ten pounds for something that only lasts a couple of hours. I just don't think it's a good, uh, a good investment of money. So first of all, look at durable brands. Look at things that are, you know, claimed to be long lasting, everlasting, you know, tube proof, all that sort of stuff. Now, I'm hiding this because Rodney's over there and he's, uh, you know, he's about to pounce on it. But things like this for me, these rope toys, they're quite expensive. And do you know what? They don't really last a very long time. Now, here he comes. He's coming for it. Um, but, you know, this for me is not a good investment. However, he loves it. So I will get to him. Um, but it's not going to last very long at all. You're probably hearing me in the background now, like chomping away on it. But what I would say is things like old pairs of jeans, recycling cl old clothes is a really good idea. Now, I put a hole in these jeans the other day and I've just got eight tub toys out of them, just tied knots in them. And he absolutely loves these. And you know what? This fabric is a lot more durable than some of the stuff that you buy for, for, for dogs. So I also have got a really indestructible ring. I don't know where it is because it's come and uh, hidden um, or as he usually does um, but I tie these around the ring because actually then it's a really durable toy now these have to be um, <laughs> as you can see he absolutely loves it now supervised play he will still try and destroy this but because I've got eight of these um, I'm less worried about it um, I also checked out a charity shop yesterday and I could see jeans on the rack for three pounds so again that's eight toys for three pounds it doesn't have to be jeans, old t-shirts, socks, anything. You can just uh, tie a knot in them and they are good to go. And as you can see, he loves it. Um, the last point on toys, I would say, is that play is free. So you can still play. I play hide and seek with Rodney. I chase him around the house. Um, and also walks are also free. Great stimulation, great mental exercise um, and all on a budget. The next question is about uh, daycare and dog walking. Hi, Paul. How long can I leave my dog alone at home? I'm struggling to pay for the dog walker every day. Now, it's a fact that a lot of people went out and got dogs um, in the pandemic. Well, of course they did. They're such a great pet to have when you're at home all day. But as um, businesses are now making more moves to get people back into work, people are being faced with the dilemma. You know, what do I do with the dog? Uh, now, dog walkers and doggy daycare are fantastic solutions because um, they provide your dog with exercise and all the stimulation that is essential, but they come at a cost. So what can you do um, if you're struggling? Well, I would say um, it's great to partner up with other people in your local community. And there's loads of uh, community Facebook groups and things like that for people that want to uh, go on, you know, uh, doggy play dates or walks and you could even find people in the area that might be willing to walk your dog uh, if you can you know reciprocate the the favor so that's the first thing I would do is, is is reach out for resources in your area the other thing I would do is uh, also reach out for family and friends and neighbors and see if you can set up a, a regular rhythm of of dog walking or dog care 
as well. Now, um, you could also approach your boss or your colleagues at work to see whether or not they would be happy with a dog coming into the office. Now, a lot of workplaces are doing this now, uh, and there's all sorts of um, proven health benefits of having a dog around, especially at work. It can be calming, uh, it can help initiate conversation, it can help some people feel more relaxed. So that might even be an option um, about taking your dog to work. So, um, the last um, question I've got is actually a really important one, I think, because um, and I'll read you the question and I'll explain why I think it's important. I'd love to get a dog, but I just can't afford one at the moment. Is there any way I can help out with someone else's dog, like take them for walks? Now, I think more and more research is coming out that, that tells us that um, there are huge benefits to owning a pet. And I personally, I mean, I've worked in the charity sector for, for over 20 years, and I personally don't believe that pet ownership is a right just for people that can afford it. I think everybody should have the right to have a pet, but there is a reality around this. There is a reality around the costs of owning a pet. But there are so many things you can do to either spread or eliminate the costs but still enjoy the benefit of having a pet. Um, now, the first thing I'll say is share. Like, you know, consider partnering up with somebody. My last dog, Dolly, I shared her for 10 years with friends of mine, and we did two weeks on, two weeks off. Now, it halved the costs, um, it halved the responsibility, uh, but you still get the same amount of joy um, for, owning, for owning a pet. So that's the first thing I would say, if you could consider that. Uh, the other the other thing to consider is is borrow. Um, now, personally, Rodney goes into um, a borrow my doggy scheme uh, and he's out three days a week with different families in the local area. And, you know, it's great for them because they're borrowing a dog. And again, they don't have the costs of uh, of, of dog ownership. But it's great for me because I don't have to pay for, you know, doggy daycare those three days. And it also gets him out and about, gets him socialised and it lets me uh, get on with, you know, I often have to travel with work and things like that. So that is another really good option. And that suits people on both sides as well. And you can always foster a dog. There are loads of charities out there that are running foster schemes for either um, animals that want to be rehomed or for um, animals in training. Um, and I know that a lot of uh, charities are, uh, you know, uh, you know, have big waiting lists that where they need people to step in and foster. Um, and I guess the the last one on this is is you can just volunteer. You know, you could just offer your services to a charity, to a rescue centre, to any establishment that's got animals, and just go in and volunteer and offer your services. Uh, you'll get all the benefits of being around an animal, but again, without those associated costs. But I think this question, um, and I just want to flip it, not somebody that wants uh, a pet, but from somebody that has an animal um, and simply just can't afford it anymore. Now, there are all the things I've talked about today are hopefully practical advice to bring uh, costs down. But for some people, you may reach a point where you just feel that, you know, you just can't carry on um, and afford to, to keep a pet. Now, 
if that is the situation you find yourself in, the first thing I, I would say is don't feel guilty or ashamed. We, we're all just doing our best and you can only do what you can do. But reach out to people um, in, in your network. Reach out to charities. There are lots of people that can help. But ultimately, if you feel that you have to relinquish that pet or give it up, I would just say to you, don't do it um, feeling ashamed or guilty. You know, you can only do what you can do. And similarly, if you can't afford, your pet becomes very sick uh, and you can't afford the treatment again, uh, you can only do what you can do. We're all doing our best. And even though these decisions are very difficult and hard to take, um, you know, as I say, you should really, really, you know, just do what you can. So I hope those tips have been useful. Um, you can find out some uh, more great content on the consult room. We've got the website, blogs, consultroom.co.uk. Uh, come and uh, listen to more podcasts wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, and you can also check us out on YouTube and social media. On social media, I'm Dr. Paul Levette. You've been listening to The Consult Room. I really hope you've enjoyed today's show. Please do subscribe, follow or share this podcast. I'd love to hear your feedback. If you want to get in touch or collaborate, then do reach out to us at theconsultroom.co.uk or connect with me on social media as Dr. Paul the Vet or Dr. Paul Mantelope.